What's going up, guys? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Cloud Pilot Podcast. So, in this episode, we have with us Jeff Skadov, who is a senior talent acquisition partner with Thomson Reuters, to talk about recruiting. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you so much for accepting my invite, and it's absolutely my pleasure to have you here. Thanks, Sudesh. I appreciate it. I know you've been working really um, for weeks and weeks and weeks to make this happen, and I'm just blessed to know that I get this opportunity today to to talk with you and talk with all the folks who are listening to this uh, podcast as well. But uh, hey, can I share with you a little bit about myself? Would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the audience would be excited to know more about you. Yeah, you know. Recruiters are global. We all we work predominantly in this today's day and age. We work virtually. Some of us have the opportunity to work on site, but myself, I work virtually remotely from my home. I live with my wife in uh, Nashville, Tennessee area here in the United States, and I support a global company called Thomson Reuters. ThomsonReuters.com is our uh, website. If you you're welcome to check us out on the internet. I've been doing this for a long time. I started out as a recruiter back at the dawn of the internet. Uh, some people may know who've been around a while that um, the internet started in the early 90s. I remember the days when uh, we were recruiting, uh, when people email, excuse me, when people actually mailed their resumes to me or they hand delivered them. So you see how far we've come with the, uh, you know, um, with emails and uh, Microsoft Word and PDF files and uh um, so I've kind of been through it all and I'm just, I, I still love what I do. I still love what I do. What's it all about? What's the big key secret sauce here? Developing relationships. And uh, that's what I feel that if you were to cut to the chase, that's where my uh, bread and butter is, is I develop relationships with the managers that I support as well as all the candidates that I speak with on a day-to-day basis. So that's a little bit about me. You started from a place where people had posted you rather than emailing you their resumes. And uh, I can say that, you know, it's even twice, uh, perhaps your experience might be twice my age. <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, I remember when we were actually uh, posting jobs in the newspaper, regular yeah. positions with a fax number to fax your resume to us, you know, so you can see, you know, I don't even know if anybody has a fax machine <laughs> anymore, but it's just funny how things have evolved. And I'm just really grateful for technology because on one hand, if we do identify candidates that we're looking for, can, you know, moving people through the system or um, in that regard is simpler than the way we did. There were days where I would actually, get in the car. And if the client was in my town, I would jump in the car and hand deliver a resume. So you can see how far we've gotten with Microsoft Word and PDF files and, and emails and, uh, and uh, LinkedIn, what have you. So it's, it's pretty cool. It has been a pretty cool journey for me too to be able to, you know, hone my skills in the latest technology to take my game to the next level as well. So Jeff, why don't you talk about your life, you know, how is your daily life as a recruiter and basically as a recruiter at Thomson Reuters now? Yeah, it's, um, I'll tell you, it's really interesting. 
It's very busy, constantly working with my peers and my and my uh, supervisors to make sure that we're maintaining the, the integrity of the process. One of the things that we try to adhere to as a recruiter is the whole life cycle of the recruiting model. You know what I'm saying? Um, one of the things that we start out is when we're assigned a position from a manager. What we do is we schedule a time to sit down with that manager and discuss the position in depth. What's required, what's a plus, locations, salary, compensation, um, a little bit about the project, a little bit about the, the role within the group. It just kind of also, I like to uh, personally kind of learn like the stuff that you like read between the lines, the dynamics of the organization so that ideally, I guess if you're, for instance, a candidate of mine, and I'd like to present you this opportunity, I'd like to give you like, if, as if you could close your eyes and I can paint a picture of not only technically what they're looking for, but also just see how you can place yourself in that group and determine whether or not, based on the things I share with you in terms of um, the group, how many people there are, what your role would be in the group, and see if you can feel comfortable working in that environment. So again, what does this lead to is all about um, developing relationships with that manager. So they'll be inclined to want to share with me um, that information as opposed to being just very mechanical in nature. I want, just like you and I are talking now, I want to have that free flowing conversation with my managers as well. And we do do that, not only in our initial, what they call an intake call, but we do that on a weekly basis where we call them cadence calls, C-A-D-E-N-C-E, cadence calls, so that as the process of hiring and setting up interviews and such, things change. We might get to the point where we're changing um, the dynamics of the position or we're moving candidates through the system. We just need to have that solid relationship between myself and the manager. So once we've identified the position, we have the, can, uh, the, the jobs back in place. We post the jobs internally. We post the jobs externally. Now here at Thompson Reuters, it's really cool because we take a lot of pride in trying to hire from within. So if indeed you're an internal employee, um, ordinarily you'll get first crack at um, uh, being considered for the role if your skills are imaginal. But obviously uh, externally, we post to a multitude of job boards. I personally am a big LinkedIn guy. So I do a lot of sourcing um, and recruiting for LinkedIn and, yeah. um, we go through the process. We go through the process. I send out what they call in-mails to candidates through LinkedIn, asking for people's uh, interest and availability. And then there's a whole multitude of questions. Um, you know, we're in a global environment now. Some people require sponsorship. Some people have green cards. Some people are citizens. So um, depending on our situation, it's, this is imperative. Some people are willing to move and relocate. Other people are not. Some people are only interested in remote roles. So these are the kind of questions that I ask candidates uh, so that we can make sure that we kind of hone in on an ideal position for them. Once we identify a candidate that's interested, I'll usually send the resume to the manager, but then take a look at the resume with the um, information that I, I've uh, gleaned from my conversation with the candidate and uh, determine whether or not we'd like to move forward. Now, there's an interesting... Um, uh, 
aspect to the process at this point because many of my roles are technical in nature. So we give um, uh, tests, online uh, tests to candidates that they uh, will help us as far as um, assessing without, you know, just short of an actual one-on-one interview with, with the candidate, imagine on whether or not they have the technical aptitude that we're, lo we're looking for. One of the tests that we use is called Hackerank. Hackerank. And if indeed the candidate passes this Hackerank test, then indeed we move them on to the next step. And they go through the process as far as interviewing with, with the managers. My responsibility at this point is to be able to work with the candidates, prep them as best I can, give them as much insight into the roles so we can make them feel comfortable as if you and I are talking right now. I want to have them uh, easily feel that an interview is not like fire, standing up in fire, front of a firing squad, but just a mutual conversation so that they can share their their uh, knowledge in terms of the uh, skill sets that, that that we're looking for and share what their roles are in the most recent projects they've worked on. If we get candidates to get through the whole process, um, I'm involved in making the offers. We have, uh, in our circumstance, we do uh, base salary and we have um, annual bonuses. Um, sometimes there's a sign-on bonus. Uh, of course, we have company benefits and then also um, a host of different other ancillary benefits that the company offers. But, you know, the great thing about it is that we're a global company. So if you reside in the UK or you reside in India, we have, we have locations in Bangalore um, or we have locations in uh, Switzerland. Um, so, you know, and Toronto is one of our main locations, Toronto, Canada, as well as uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. So, you know, depending on where you're open to, there's a lot of times flexibility in um, having people work in different locations like that. So that's a little bit of a snapshot of what, how we go about conducting our day. It's busy, it's fun, it's hard sometimes, it's intriguing. Um, I think the hardest part is just, you know, I'm from New York originally. So unfortunately, um, I was not born with a lot, a lot, a lot of patience. You know, I, um, I want everything to happen you know, in real time, but, you know, not everybody works at the same pace I do. So um, just, you know, working together. And like I said, everything, you're going to cut to the chase, common denominator with this whole process. It's the relationship, relationship with this candidate. Because let me tell you, there's a lot of other companies out there looking for the same candidate with the same skill sets. So how do I differentiate myself? This is good for other recruiters or other currently recruiting or who are look, looking to get into this business is relationship building. How do I differentiate myself? How do I, how am I distinctive from another recruiter with another company? So that if I was to pick up the phone or send you an email as a follow-up, they'll respond back expeditiously or in kind because they know that him and I or her and I, or, you know, we, we, we both have a good solid base for a relationship of working together. So that's, yep. A little bit about that. Can you tell us about the challenges you could face as a recruiter? Lots of challenges. I mean, if this was an easy job, everybody would be doing this, Sudesh. Everybody. But, you know, it's it's challenging. It really, really is. And um, um, I find that each and every day, it's a different challenge. But some of the things that I think are, um, are really critical is that if you um, are a viable candidate that's genuinely interested in other 
um, a new opportunity or you're because you're transitioning from a current role or you're available as we speak. It's um, trying to um, maintain that rapport with candidates on a day in day out basis. Um, so I find sometimes the challenge is you will not hear from candidates for days on end. And, you know, like I said, I'm trying to move people through the system because I feel that, you know, they're a great candidate. So sometimes we do that. But one thing that's kind of interesting that I've kind of found is that um, I don't know why candidates do this. I'm just being honest, is that sometimes candidates will um, apply using different email addresses and the same candidate but they use different email addresses. So if they were like rejected one day, um, they might apply using another email address. I just find that it's a challenge for us because a lot of times we have to like do these duplicate checkings to make sure that they are or are not the same candidate. So, you know, one of the things that I ask from candidates is just maintain integrity. Maintain, if you feel confident in what you do and that your skill sets, are viable and solid and that you indeed, as long as you present yourself fairly, you'll get that job. You'll get the opportunity to go through the interview process, but don't falsely present yourself because I'd say that um, overall, um, everything could be worked out. It really can. So just a matter of uh, being smart enough to just see the big picture in terms of recruiting and um, know the pitfalls. But ordinarily, most people, and I'd say that most people are genuine. Most people are sincere with their intentions. So I, I just look at them little speed bumps in the work in in the process, but otherwise everything's pretty good. Yeah. Next, uh, as we come to the recruiting process, can you tell us about you know how a resume is screened from the pool? You know, and and, and it's funny talking about how it's screened. I've heard people say that there's bias and there's you know for one reason other people are being singled out for one reason or another, and that's no. Tr- I look for the best candidate. Being honest, I, I judge people based on their on their resume, period. I don't look at people for any other reasons than where you come from or what types of companies you work for or what industries you work for. If you qualify based on the skill sets that we have in the job description, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you, you know what I'm saying? So some people have this misconception, you know, listen, there's stuff on the internet that says that there's a lot of bias in this world as it relates. I don't believe it. I don't use it. And I'm being very sincere with you. And I don't know any associates of mine who do either. So I, I just want everybody to know that when you apply for a position, if you meet the basic qualifications of what the job calls for, and you feel strongly about that in terms of the amount of years experience, in terms of the required skill sets, and if they call for somebody who has specific knowledge and experience in a particular vertical market. If you have that, apply. You have nothing to lose. But if they're looking for like a senior person with eight years experience and you're fresh out of college, don't waste your time. The likelihood you'll get rejected on the spot and all. So just there's plenty of companies out there. There's plenty of uh, positions. The market is so, it's so strong right now in terms of uh, the technical world so that um, just to uh, searches on the internet and look for people, look for companies that look for people with your level of skill so that you can apply. But there's no bias that I've ever experienced um, with any uh, candidate or manager telling me to hire just this type of person versus this one. So I just want to dispel that uh, thought because um, 
I again, I look for the best candidate available, the best one that I can identify, the best one that might have applied through our uh, career portal. Is there any preferred format for our resume? Because, you know, I have heard a lot that, you know, people, some people prefer two column resume, some people prefer single column, you know, uh, somebody shares their resume as a document, somebody shares their resume as a PDF. I've seen people do very, very fancy. I don't need a picture. Picture is not necessary. And on top of that, even a cover letter, you can substitute a cover letter by putting that information in your summary, you know, on your, on your, uh, on your resume itself. I I'm fine with either a word document or uh, a PDF format, but I think the, uh, the formatting of the resume doesn't really matter, but I would definitely suggest to candidates that they um, add every tool, every application, every vertical that they've worked in so that when I'm looking for keywords, key phrases, um, I get a fairly good idea of uh, whether or not you're qualified for the position or if you've worked in the environments that I'm looking for. So I would say more is better than less as far as information. As far as pages are concerned, because I've seen people write resumes and they have like 20 pages. I don't go through 20 pages of resume. It just, it, it isn't. But uh, try to pare it down to maybe two or three at the most, if you can. I really look for the last couple of, so if we look for somebody with four or five years experience, I'll look at the first four or five years, see what see what companies you've worked for, see what your role is and things of that nature. But um, um, try not to, you know, cut it off at one at point, one point, because uh, there are many people out there in the market that have been doing this for quite some time. You know, developers that have started out uh, COBOL and Fortran and, you know, um, which is pretty much old technology. So I would kind of keep it fresh in terms of a relatively current technology when you're, when you're uh, putting your resume together. Can you tell us about the reality behind these referrals? Because, you know, personally, I have got rejection mails through referrals. So, and there is a common misconception that, you know, People actually think that if you get a referral, then you have an interview opportunity. So can you break that myth and you know tell us what the actual truth is? You know, referrals are terrific. If you know somebody that's looking for a position and you feel that they're a good match, I might have presented an opportunity directly to you, Udesh, and um, because you were not available or maybe it was too senior for you or too junior or the compensation was not right. So, but you know what? I know somebody will be perfect for that job and you refer them to me. So that particular person, there's no obligation on my company to be able to do that just because of the referral. I would trust that you're sending me somebody that might be because you, you, you feel confident that they're a solid citizen, so to speak. I will give them full consideration. One of the things that I do a lot is that it might not be a necessarily a fit for myself, your referral, but you know what? I work as part of a team. And there's many groups here. So what I do is I share a resume with a with the with the rest of the people on my team, as well as other teams, because I only work on about 30 positions at one time. Oh. And there's hundreds of roles within this organization. Yeah. So it's not unusual that if you would refer somebody to me and it's a, not a fit for my roles, I'll share that with somebody else. And there's a, there's a chance that they might have a, a match with another position with another group in another capacity. So if the candidate's a match for a position, location's good, 
skill sets match up absolutely let's let's work together to figure this out and i like i like to do that a lot because if i'm going to help if you're going to refer somebody for me uh, that means you took the time out to be able to think in terms of your friend or your past associate i want to do right by you because perhaps down the line you'll refer somebody else for me because i did i did good by you by doing a good deed or a good favor so i look at it in that regard that opportunities to um, refer people um, eventually will pay off while applying you know people usually tend to do a mass apply you know apply for multiple roles even in, if it is in a single organization so have you observed any you know common mistakes which applicants do while applying you know whether it be a single application or a mass application yeah there are a lot of candidates that i find over the years that have applied to many positions within the organization ironically it gets to the point where they don't really qualify for most of them and i think because of the fact that i have access to a particular candidate and can see how many positions they've applied for it kind of in my mind it kind of diminishes the integrity of the candidate i find that today's world you really need to focus you being the candidate need to really focus on identifying positions that a recruiter is going to want to pick up the phone and call you. So be judicious in terms of applying to positions that you're a match for, not just uh, for the purposes of just getting into the system. It doesn't bode well with us to see somebody who's applied for 200 positions over uh, a couple of month period of time. It, it puts a bad, it puts them in less than a favorable light because it looks like they're kind of desperate or they just want to do it for reasons that are not necessarily favorable uh, for them. They just want to just feel that uh, even if they apply for X, but they don't qualify and um, um, another recruiter will find them. Uh, it, it, it just, it's not a, it's not a good situation. So I encourage people just to apply for positions that they honestly, truly feel that um, they uh, match up as far as technically. Can you tell us about what is ATS? Yeah, you know, we work with here at Thompson Rose, we work with an ATS, an applicant tracking system called Workday. And um, again, with the bias, I, I, it's a misconception. I don't understand where it comes from. People apply for positions that they see on uh, our career site, or they might see it posted on Indeed.com yeah. or on uh, LinkedIn. I post all my positions on LinkedIn. I actually share all my um, associates positions that I'm connected to on LinkedIn. But as far as bias concerned, I, it's a misconception in my, in my point of view. I really feel again, going back to our previous question that if your resume is in our applicant tracking system, because you've applied for a position with our organization, your resume and your credentials will be acknowledged and they'll be reviewed. Now understand one thing. Um, there are sometimes a position where we'll get hundreds of candidates. And sometimes, you know, because like I said, I work on upwards of 30 positions at one time, I might not necessarily be able to get through 500 resumes, uh, depending on the type of role. So um, people might talk about falling into what they call this like black hole, so to speak, where they get no response. To me, I just don't think that's fair. I think for as a candidate, closure, regardless if you get um, the interview or not, but if I was to courteously send you an email, even if it's a form email, read, you know, through the system saying thank you for your consideration, but we've identified 
other candidates that have better skill sets that match the position. I always would encourage candidates if they get a rejection to continue to apply. Don't apply to every job, but apply to positions that you find that match your background. Thomson Reuters is growing dramatically, globally. If there's not a role posted on our career site today, I would look tomorrow. I would look two days from now because the fact that it may not necessarily be there for a day or two. I'm getting new positions every week. So uh, can you tell us a bit about uh, the recruiting process at Thomson Reuters? The process is very defined. Um, Ordinarily, I'll get an email through our applicant tracking system saying that a particular position is approved. So what's my next move? I reach out to the manager assigned to that position because I want to talk with them. And I want to get the good, the bad, the ugly. How come we can't find this person? What are maybe key companies to search from? After the call, which takes about 30 minutes, we can determine whether or not there's one person on this whole planet that does this, or I think that we can find multiple candidates to be able to choose from. That's essentially the the initial uh, reach out is to talk to the hiring manager. Uh, I might have already worked with that hiring manager, so it's just furthering uh, development of the relationship. Sometimes I'll get an opportunity to work with a new manager. Once um, I've spoken with the manager, and we've determined what is, what isn't, what the position, the skill sets that are critical. I can kind of, uh, through my own knowledge, previously working at a similar role, explain to them that this technology is not common amongst people. So can we pare down the skill sets of what's required so that it'll give it me a better chance to identify, initially identify candidates. And then we start uh, there. We talk about, you know, the good and talk about the bad. We talk about, you know, how their career is going. We talk about um, what their area of expertise is. I usually try to identify as, you know, based on the job description so we can kind of keep the conversation topical so I can get the information that I need. But like you and I talking right now, we keep it as a conversation. And I can determine whether or not I have somebody or I don't or I need to just move on to the uh, to another candidate but once i can buy that recruiter phone screen to have well ordinarily we'll either like i said give them a test if it's technical it could be a front-end um engineer like javascript or react could be a full stack engineer like java python c plus plus depending on what language they um the job calls for and um if they pass the test then we start the whole process as far as scheduling interviews It takes time. You know, one of the misnomers that candidates don't understand is that we have to get people scheduled. And sometimes, you know, to get a hiring manager and a candidate or two hiring managers and a candidate or even three hiring managers, like a panel interview, all scheduled at the same time. And sometimes it's a little bit challenging. So it could be a few days. It could be a week or so. So what I try to do is I try to um, uh, step in in the interim time when things are in process and just kind of keep candidates warm by just letting them know that we haven't forgotten about you. I just want to let you know it's usually in the hands of my coordinator. They're trying to uh, schedule like, all the all the parties involved with that, you know, and we go through the process. Um, I like to prep people as much as I can, give them a little insight. If I found out any information that you would not necessarily read in the job description, but knowledgeable that'll help them, I'll provide that as well. And we go through the process. And at the end, we'll make offers and um, hopefully give it a start date. 
Um, just in terms of offers are concerned, ordinarily um, common two to three weeks notice to leave their current company. Believe it or not, I even talk about um, uh, just to cover themselves if somebody's uh, working for an organization for a long time and they're in good standing with the company, but still want to leave for a better opportunity. There's this concept called uh, counter offers, where their current company will counter offer our offer for them to stay. And without getting into details, that's a whole nother topic, but I just give candidates that opportunity to know the ramifications of what a counteroffer does and how it sets the stage for um, changing the relationship between you and your current employer. So um, I try to give people the big 360. Um, of course, if we get to offer, we're genuinely interested in you. We generally feel that you'd be a very welcome addition to the team and um, that there's a great um, opportunity to grow with this company. One of the things that's really cool about um, Thompson Reuters is that the average tenure for employees here at Thompson Reuters is eight years. You know, in this day and age where things change and people are working on, on a contract basis, but nearly all the positions I work on, all the positions I work on are full-time and, you know, assuming everything goes well, you could be here for eight years. What are your tips which could be said as do's or don'ts during the interviews? Some of the things I will advise you is, first of all, corporate America today is very business casual. But the other thing is I try to tell people, especially if you're confident in your skill sets, you're confident in your ability to um, uh, share your knowledge and your expertise as it relates to the project that you've worked on in fairly good depth, meaning you can really talk about uh, how you've worked cross-functionally with other teams, how you've really gotten involved with um, perhaps uh, upgrading and changing um, technology and just feeling um, what is necessary to be able to you know, take the project from here to here. Be uh, prepared to be able to talk in those terms. Be prepared to be able to share in depth, not one-line answers. One-line answers are not going to get it. Sometimes people get a little nervous so if you want to have the job description sitting right here with you so that you, you know, make sure that you stay topical. This is not a test. An interview is a conversation. So just be casual, uh, be prepared and show integrity and um, speak clearly. Something related to that, you know, is there any, you know, tips as such to impress recruiters during the whole interview process? I mean, the whole recruiting process. How would you impress me? Communication in any working environment, success is based on uh, the level that you've established in terms of your communication is concerned. So if I send you an email, if I text you, please, if you can respond back um, ASAP, just to maintain the continuity of the process, that's helpful. If indeed, when I send out a message through any of these platforms and I don't hear back for a day or two or three, you know, things happen, I get it. You know, there's emergencies and there's, you know, um, but nonetheless, the communication um, between myself as the recruiter and you as the candidate um, is vital to maintaining the integrity of the process because A, it shows me that you're genuinely interested and B, I can feel good about when I talk to the hiring manager that I can let them know that the rapport between me and the candidate is so solid that we're all on the same plane. Is there any suggestion from you for 
asking questions like what kind of questions should they ask during the interviews i like for candidates to be able to ask me questions that i can't even answer right there on the spot where i have to actually go back to my hiring manager and ask for the on their behalf so um sometimes i'll ask specific questions about the dynamics of the group how many people are in toronto how many people are working on that project uh, concurrently offshore um, in India, perhaps. Um, I, I even heard that we have uh, groups, um, some of my positions um, currently in uh, Russia and the Ukraine. That whole dynamic, I, I, I want them to ask me questions that are interesting to the point where they show real curiosity for the project. One of the things that I find is really helpful is curiosity. People who want to like really find out more and more about the project more and more about the group, even information about the manager. And I'm not shy about sending a link to their LinkedIn page if it um, gives good value to where the, where the manager came from, how long he's been with the company, what types of roles he's worked on in the past and did maybe a little a blurb about you know their group and things of that nature. Something different from the job description. But I think um, one of the key things for a, a, a candidate that'll pique my interest is somebody that asks a lot of questions, shows curiosity um, throughout because nothing is defined, um, it's the stone. Everything has the opportunity to be able to question and you know pull things apart, build a better mousetrap. You know what I'm saying? You know, create something even more dynamic than it already is. So uh, people with that type of desires to want to be curious uh, is somebody that makes me sit up and say, wow, they're really investigating this to determine whether or not it's a good fit for them. As a last part, do you, uh, what advice do you have to give to the audience, uh, potential candidates? If you're not happy where you're at, I wholeheartedly suggest you go out there into the world and find a company that better suits your needs. One of the things, the overarching things that I do want to tell people is that the culture of the company, of companies are so dramatically different from one company to the next. And if you're finding that you're being underutilized or you're being underappreciated, or if you feel that you need a, a fresh start, there's something missing, you know, there's a key, like look at yourself as a puzzle, but at the end, there's a few pieces missing. And what is that? Is that from you? Is that from the company? Is that from the relationships that you've had with or have with your current peers? But you know what? That could change like this, working for another company. The environment you worked in, the people that you work with, the company backing you 110% and knowing that um, tomorrow's another day and I start all over again and I just keep moving that needle in the right direction. Great piece of advice. It's totally my pleasure to have you here and it has been amazing. The conversation <laughs> went very well. And uh, before we wrap up, uh, any last words? I'll keep, I'll give you two parts. The one for the uh, purposes of us as recruiters, just look at us recruiters as your friends. Okay. I am a big advocate for you. If you have the right skill set and you're available and you're interested, I will fight for you. If you apply to the right position and uh, we can establish a great rapport, I will hold your hand, not literally, but figuratively throughout the process. Sometimes people appreciate that for the purposes of becoming a recruiter. Do you have that wherewithal? Do you have that desire? Do you have that fire in your belly? Do you have that gift of gab? Do you have that ability to build 
develop, maintain relationships with people because you love to do that, this could be a great career for you. So um, uh, recruiting, I've been doing this a long time. I wouldn't know what else to do. And uh, I love the people that I'm working with and I love the candidates that I'm supporting. So um, life is good. Awesome. So it was indeed a pleasure to have you here in the podcast and uh, we had an amazing conversation. Thank you so much guys for listening. I hope this has helped you enough. We'll come back soon with another guest and another topic. Till then, it's me, Takral Pirate, signing off. Bye.